At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Welcome back for our second show and um, we have a real um, great show today. We're going to be focusing on the Amazon tax. And we originally had hoped to have a semi-woman, Nancy Skinner from California, who is the sponsor of the Amazon tax legislation there. Um, but a last-minute conflict has prevented her from appearing. But we still have a great panel. And But um, pursuant to Section 32 of the Gullibility Act, um, we're going to start the show off with a quiz um, with asking the question, what is the Amazon tax? Is it A, a tax on Amazon.com, B, a tax on affiliates, C, a tax on tall women, or D, none of the above? So um, to help us answer that question, we're going to start off with Michael Mazarov. He is a senior fellow at the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities in Washington, and he's actually written on the Amazon tax um, for the um, CBPP. And so, Michael, I want you to start off by telling us, welcome to the show, and why don't you tell you. us what is CBPP? Uh, the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities is a nonprofit, nonpartisan research institute based in Washington, and we focus on federal and state budget and tax issues with a particular emphasis on how they affect low-income families. Now, you, you guys have been, um, in terms of uh, finding out information on this, this the status of the the current state fiscal situation i think between um the national association of budget directors suicide hotline and you um those are the two best sources i've been able to find and so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about what what is causing the current um state of fiscal crisis that we're seeing well the current fiscal crisis is really due to the recession that has hit the U.S. economy and from which we're recovering only very slowly. And when people lose their jobs, obviously, they have less income. That means they're paying less income tax. They're paying less. They're buying fewer things. 
costs are postponing big ticket purchases and so sales tax revenues go down and at the same time there's greater need for state spending more people become eligible for state provided health care more students go to community college more adults who have lost their job go to community college to try to improve their skills to be able to find jobs so that squeeze between declining revenue and the need for increasing spending puts state and local governments in a enormous fiscal squeeze it seems that from one of your reports though that you're this has been one of the worst kind of crunches states have faced in the recession period um since the since the great depression you know what is making this one in particular so so severe well it's it's the deepest recession since the great depression and so we've had the steepest fall off in employment we've had uh, the the steepest fall off in economic activity and of course we have had a huge housing bubble that's burst and that has led to you know very severe localized declines in the housing market and that's starting to show up in depressed property tax revenue so it's basically the severity of the current recession that explains why state and local governments have been hit so hard state and local governments actually started out prepared for a recession in terms of having reserves much better than they have been for recent receptions. They actually had more cash on hand in their rainy day funds, but the, those reserves were just overwhelmed by the depth of this recession. So which states at, at the moment are, the, are kind of the, the, the biggest sense of crisis that you're seeing? Um, and by the way, I, I often reference um, the CBPP's map of um, you know, state um, budget deficits as a guide for you know, where to look is what you might, you might expect the Amazon tax to arise. Well, the states that are in the uh, most severe trouble I mean, are the ones primarily that have had the worst housing bubbles. Uh, so, you know, California, Nevada, and Florida are also in that category. Texas hasn't had much of a housing bubble, but it also faces a pretty severe uh, revenue gap. So if you're a state in such a crunch, um, it seems that the Amazon tax, I guess, would have some appeal because it, it meets the Huey Long maxim of you know, don't tax you, don't tax me, tax the guy behind the tree. And Amazon seems to be the big guy behind the tree. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly the Amazon tax is and uh, why it's attractive to states? Well, let me start out by saying that I really think the, calling it the Amazon tax is a misnomer. It really ought to be called the Amazon law because saying it's the Amazon tax sort of implies that this is a new tax and it's not a tax at all, a new tax at all. People need to know that if you go into, uh, if you buy something on the Internet that would be taxable if you buy it in a, your local store, that purchase on the Internet is already subject to your state sales tax. Just because you aren't charged it by the seller doesn't mean you don't owe it. You do owe it now, and you need to pay it directly to your state. You need to, in California, you're obligated to file a return and pay that uh, use tax directly to, your, uh, to the California State Board of Equalization. So... Um, and there's a good reason for that. This this tax was created, this complement to the sales tax was created so that there isn't an artificial incentive to, to buy out of state and therefore put your in-state businesses at a competitive disadvantage. So this tax has been due all along. 
and the states have been trying to collect it for literally for decades. I personally have been working on this issue, trying to change the law for 20 years, and this tax has been due that whole time. The problem is that the Supreme Court has ruled that you can't require a seller that is not physically present in your state to charge your state's sales tax, so it's up to the individual to pay it themselves. And, of course, most people don't do that. And so the states are looking for ways that they can get more of the sellers that are selling into your state to collect the tax. And so what Assemblywoman Skinner's bill does is it's an attempt to get some companies that are not currently charging California sales tax, like Amazon, to collect the tax. And the basis of the law is that there are other Supreme Court decisions that say that if an out-of-state company has someone in the state, in your state, that's uh, enabling the out-of-state seller in some way to make sales into your state, that's enough to obligate the out-of-state seller to collect the tax. So the Skinner bill takes advantage of the fact that most of the large Internet sellers, like Amazon, have so-called affiliate programs where they pay commissions to your in-state websites if someone clicks on a link to the seller goes to the website and buys something. And, and what the Skinner Bill effectively does is say that's the cyberspace equivalent of having a salesperson in the state, and, uh, which the court has, up, uh, has upheld as an adequate basis to require collection of the tax by the out-of-state seller. And so, yes, this, this states are, there's heightened interest in this legislation in the states now. In fact, California would be the fifth state to enact it if the bill is approved, but, uh, and states clearly need the revenue now, but they've, they've been pursuing this for a very, very long time. Now, Amazon's argument is that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, you're asking us to try to collect taxes and understand the tax rate for what is approximately 7,000 different taxing jurisdictions between you know the various state and local taxes that must be applied, and that it just isn't feasible and it, uh, it's, it's just too much of a burden. Um, you've actually said that that's not a legitimate argument. Now, why is that? Well, it's certainly not a legitimate argument in the case of Amazon because Amazon itself is collecting sales tax in every state for other companies that sell on Amazon's website. So they've already demonstrated that they're perfectly capable of collecting the tax. They just don't want to collect it on their own merchandise because they like this 5 to 10% price advantage they have in the states where they don't collect uh, as compared to walmart.com and bestbuy.com and so and not to mention the local bookstore because uh, they don't have to collect the tax and all those businesses do. So, but no, no, I, I acknowledge no, that with, with respect to some small businesses uh, this collection responsibility can be can be burdensome and so there's some level of small business that at least initially ought not to have a nationwide collection obligation, but that certainly is not true of Amazon. Amazon is perfectly capable of collecting this tax, as are other very large sellers. There's adequate software out there uh, to, to deal with all these diverse rates and rules. Now, um, the states that have adopted it, New York, North Carolina, Rhode Island, 
what has been the the result in terms of revenue for them? Well, New York thinks it's collecting so far about seventy million dollars a year in revenue. Um, in North Carolina and Rhode Island, the we really don't know what the revenue impact has been because a lot of the internet sellers have uh, reacted to this uh, legislation by cutting off their affiliates in the states. They've sort of wanted to send a message to other states that are thinking about enacting this legislation to not do it. So um, if they've cut off their affiliate programs in the states, they're not collecting the tax. I would say that when that happens, when they're doing less marketing in the state, some of the sales that they would otherwise make are probably shifting to local stores or to other Internet sellers that are collecting the tax and are showing up as greater tax collection by those companies, uh, but we really don't know. And um, it, right now it's currently pending in Illinois. The legislature has passed the, the bill and it's sitting on the governor's desk, but um, Amazon and some other um, leading retailers have uh, threatened or actually started terminating their affiliates in those states, have they not? Uh, I don't. I don't know if anybody's actually terminated. I don't know who besides Amazon has issued that threat. I do know that Amazon has issued that threat. Okay, very quickly because we only have a little bit of time left. Um, has been any attempt to measure the impact of the um, of the effect of terminating the affiliates in state? in terms of what, what the economic loss that results from that? Uh, I'm not aware of any, and I, you know, I don't think there's inherently an economic loss. I mean, if, if, if there was a company, for example, that was, had a subject-oriented website that was, that was an Amazon affiliate because it wanted to offer books uh, to its readers on the, it wanted to highlight books to its readers on the subject matter, of the website and Amazon cut them off from their affiliate program, they could easily uh, become an affiliate of a company like Barnes & Noble that's selling the same books and is collecting sales tax. And so they, it's not necessary that they lost any revenue. We just, we just don't know that. Although, you know, Amazon is much, you know, in terms of scale, is much larger than Barnes & Noble, I would imagine, just because they're selling far more than books. Well, that, that's true, but... but um, but, we, but in many cases, those products may not necessarily be the focus of, of some, you know, someone's affiliate sales. I mean, in many cases, uh, these affiliate links have to do with the specific subject matter of the website. So the fact that Amazon is selling lots of other things doesn't necessarily mean that, that that's what's generating affiliate commissions for any particular website. All right, Michael, um, thank you very much. Um, we're going to have to take a, a commercial break. Um, when we come back, we'll have Rebecca Mark, uh, Madigan from the Performance Marketing Association, and I think she'll take a somewhat different view of the merits of the Amazon tax. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Two, one, boost to ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. 
Introducing a sender cart. A sender cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy to use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with a sender cart. Learn more about what a sender cart can do for you at ascendercart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T dot com. From domains to digital marketing, social media to blogging, you can reach this broad audience by using what you're listening to right now. Reach the thousands of internet marketers that download and listen live to the premier on-air and on-demand podcast network, webmasterradio.fm, with the Internet Marketing Channel, featuring shows like the Joel Com Show, the WordPress Community Podcast, and more. Our ad campaigns are fully integrated with multiple avenues of exposure, from slick, effective 30-second commercials to detailed, informative 30-minute town hall meetings. Expose your products and services to listeners and podcasters of not just shows like Market Edge and Domain Masters, but anyone looking for ways to market their business with your product. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm to find out more. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Catch us Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. All right, this is Bennett Kelly. We are back. And um, you know, a few years ago, I was at a, a conference on um, you know internet policy and um, the tech policy summit that's held every year up in the, in the Silicon Valley. And one of the panelists there, who was a, a major entrepreneur, bragged about the fact that he doesn't pay attention to what happens in Washington and state capitals. And you know, I was just amazed that someone of that prominent would say that. I thought it was the equivalent of um, putting a um, sign on his back that said, kick me, please. And um, that seemed to be, at one point, the attitude of a lot of people in the Internet space and so um, when Re- Rebecca Madigan came in and, and tried to organize affiliates, you know, she really was trying to uh, more or less herd cats. And our next guest is Rebecca Madigan, who is the director of the Performance Marketing Alliance. And Rebecca, why don't you tell me a little bit about what the Performance Marketing Alliance is, excuse me, association is, and, um, and how you came about um, to bring it together. <laughs> Thanks, Bennett. That is an excellent description. Um, I, I was one of those people desperately trying to ignore public policy, but we have learned um, in, in a very painful way that public policy really steers a lot of things that are impactful to the internet. There's, it's a land grab. Um, I formed the, the PMA in April of 2008 with a number of other uh, performance marketing companies, including you know some of the big names like Google and eBay and Yahoo, but also a lot of affiliates, uh, companies like Offers.com and Fat Wallet. There's a need um, to have a unified voice, not only to represent the industry, but our charter is really 
simply to grow the performance marketing business model. We want it to become the dominant advertising model. And how do we grow it? Well, there are a million ways to grow it. And part, part of what has become a part of the equation is that we have to actually defend our business model. And, uh, you know, this, this affiliate nexus tax has really been an eye-opener and proved to us that we need to work together. And, and when we work together, we actually are fantastic in fighting this legislation because it's really targeting affiliates. It's not targeting Amazon. It is targeting a very significant growing segment of small businesses in, in various states across the country. Why do you say that it's targeting affiliates? It's been called the Amazon tax. Well, you know, they're they're gunning for Amazon. They they're they're blinded or drunk with this vision of all this, you know, phantom money that they see out there. These legislators that uh, Mr. Mazaroff indicated, you know, they have this very serious problem with budget deficits. But the reality is that there's such a flaw in this law that it's it's the way that that out-of-state merchants can avoid collecting sales tax is that they simply terminate their affiliates. So you see these small businesses absolutely wiped out, absolutely devastated in every state that it's passed. Now, is one of the hurdles you face in, in opposing Amazon legislation is the kind of the fact that it's a, you're dealing with a young industry and a, a disorganized industry that doesn't have a lot of data um, assembled on it. And so in terms of discussing what is the impact on the affiliate community, um, you know, there really is little in terms of um, substance to show what that is. is. Is that a fair statement? It used to be a fair statement, but uh, but we've been repeatedly fighting this legislation now. I think we're starting our third legislative season where these bills keep popping up. And um, there are you know, we've, we've beaten, beaten it back in about 16 states. Um, the numbers that we do have, so, so let me give California as an example, since um, Assemblymember Skinner, who I believe was supposed to be on the show, couldn't, couldn't make it, but um, she was mentioned by uh, Michael. Um, in California, we do have some numbers. There are 25,000 affiliates or affiliate businesses in California. And they actually, in, in 2009, and that's the most recent numbers we have, the 2010 numbers are still being calculated by various analysts. But in 2009, they, they earned $1.6 billion from advertising revenue simply by pacing ads on their websites. And they paid $124 million in state income tax to California. So we know that when this law passed in other states like New York, North Carolina, and Rhode Island, Hundreds of merchants terminated their affiliates, and we believe they had an overnight economic devastation of at least 20 to 25 percent. In some cases, 40 to 50 percent of their income is wiped out, and that's sort of a tipping point. I mean, you know, I, I personally couldn't take that hit on my income and still make my mortgage payment or, you know, pay the kids' college tuition. So it's, it's very devastating very quickly. Now, my home state of Rhode Island, actually, have they? I believe they found that the net revenue they've obtained from the Amazon tax is is negative. That's right. That's right. They lost. They did not gain any additional new sales tax, and they lost 
income tax revenue from these affiliates that were devastated. So, so it's the, proportionally in Rhode Island, it was pretty significant because there aren't a lot of other career opportunities in the state, you know, it's, and so uh, what do affiliates do? They go on unemployment or they move out of state. That happens a lot, a lot of moving around. I think the official um, statement from the Department of Finance was that it was wicked awful. And uh, <laughs> but, um, now we're, we're looking at a, a new year and a new leg- um, bunch series of legislative sessions for states. Um, most states have legislative sessions, so there are a couple that do have um, only meet every other year. And so what, what is um, your plan for 2011? What do you see as the hot spots for this year? Well, you know, California continues to be a hot spot, and, and that's really, that's just really so uh, frustrating and, and devastating to, to, to a lot of businesses in California. I mean, it's the same bill being introduced year after year after year. It has the same impact. We know it will have the same result that merchants can simply avoid collecting sales tax by terminating their affiliates. It's like the legislators are completely ignoring this small business segment that's quite viable and creating this frustrating cycle over and over again. So it's no longer just about these affiliates trying to hold on to their business. Affiliate marketing, performance marketing, online advertising is a growing segment. Online advertising is actually driving a lot of people not only to online websites to make purchases, but to their local retailers to make purchases. And and companies like Groupon and, and Living Social, which are enormously successful at driving people to local businesses, um, that's the same business model that we're in. That's a performance marketing business model. And so we have these 25,000 affiliates in California. They're entrepreneurs, and they're actually trying to grow their business. They're trying to attract investment dollars. They're expanding. They're hiring. And yet when this legislation keeps getting introduced year after year after year, they start to wonder why should they in- invest in their business in California. And I know of one affiliate who um, was expanding and he, he was about, he got uh, several million dollars in funding and he decided to, to move his business out of state because he just couldn't take the risk of actually expanding in California. He had to, it's, it's, no, it's not just about surviving, it's expanding. He's growing his business. And I've heard the same in other states um, we know that um, uh, the law passed in uh, the, the legislature in Illinois passed the the nexus tax, and it's sitting on the governor's desk for a signature or veto. And we know that there are also a couple of very large um, Illinois-based affiliate companies that are being courted by Wisconsin. Of course, they're going to move out of state. These are these are affiliates that have, you know, fifty to seventy-five employees. They can't just sit in the state and take it. So. We have every time one of these bills is introduced, we have to introduce affiliates personally to the legislators and make them realize the devastating impact that it has on small businesses, their constituents, right in the state. Plus, there's the benefit if you move to Wisconsin, you can obviously take your clients on a, a brewery tour. Um, <laughs> yes, or have a winning football team as your fan. <laughs> That's an ouch to all those beer fans out there, but. Um, now, one uh, taking stepping back and looking at it from a big picture perspective, it, it seems that you know, the Amazon tax is a gimmick to an extent, and that it's a gimmick because what's happened over the last few years is there's a disconnect between the government we want and the government we're willing to pay for. 
and that um, it looks like maybe in California that that, that debate may actually occur. Um, Governor Brown seems to be um, talking about doing a very austere budget and then going back to the voters and saying, if you want something more, you know, approve these taxes to pay for it. And that, you know, if we really dealt with it in that way, we wouldn't need to do these gimmicks such as the Amazon tax or, um, you know, purchasing a building and then leasing it back, um, you know, to just for have a, a one year um, savings on your budget. Oh, that's a great point because we have seen in a lot of states that there's this shuffling of, of money and it's an accounting error or accounting rounding exercise that all of a sudden brings the state into budget. And uh, um, I think in this case, what we've started to hear from some of the proponents of this kind of legislation and that includes some of the retail merchant associations that are, are kind of pushing for this legislation, is that indeed they're not really fighting for the affiliate nexus tax. What they're trying to do is raise visibility for the need for a federal solution, which, you know, it, 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 Mr. Mazaroff actually indicated something similar in that, in that really the way to really truly level the playing field is to have something that's equitable for all merchants in all distribution channels, in all geographies, um, that that is evenly accountable and evenly enforced, and that's what's missing today. Now, um, in terms of a, in terms of the feasibility of getting um, some attacks approved in, in Washington today, um, it, do you really see that as something happening in the near future? Well, yeah, there's no. <laughs> in, a, in a word? In a word, no. I mean, it's a huge undertaking. And, you know, uh, I was in uh, in Colorado when they were um, trying to uh, pass the, the junk food tax or the soda pop tax. And, you know, it, it, that's an element of streamlining. Like, what's taxable and what isn't taxable? And they were having this debate about candy bars and if there's flour in the candy bar or if it's frozen then it's food and it's not taxable but if it's you know if it's snickers bar out of the vending machine it is taxable you know so that is that that minutia that that really you know is endless and then there are local jurisdictions that refuse to give up their sovereign right to their sales tax collection. I mean, I live in a community where we have an outlet mall and we have thousands of people that visit us and leave their sales tax dollars and then they leave. So we have, you know, a pretty good coffers, uh, amount of money in our coffers right now. So I think our community would be resistant to, to a streamlined approach or, or something that's simplified, but going after this, you know, flawed legislation over and over again, this just isn't the answer because all it does is, is hit a viable segment of small business. You know, I, I understand they're trying to make a point, but stay away from the, this law. It is completely flawed. Now, w- one question that's, that's come up online is that you, you referenced you know, the, the, your studies in terms of the amount of affiliate income in California alone. Um, but I believe Juniper Research um, estimated that you know, total affiliate commissions paid nationwide was only um, $2.1 billion in 2008. And so you know, it seems that there's a disconnect between your numbers and, um, and what we're finding um, 
you know what has been found previously yeah so there so there's a definitions problem too so so we're using numbers that are performance based what is performance based advertising rates what are those being paid out at performance based ad rates have to do with the fact that the ad rate is not paid out until the consumer takes an action, and that could include filling out a lead form or making a purchase or watching a video or downloading a game. There are, there are a lot of different models. What's cons- we, we quote the larger number from Forrester, which is that $14 billion was spent on performance-based advertising. And the reason we use that is, especially in this argument, is that many of these bills that are being proposed have very sketchy interpretations. And so in some cases, it talks about very specifically an internet referral. In some cases, it just says a referral, an advertising referral. So it could even apply to television and radio, which also has performance-based advertising business models. You mean ad men? Yeah. <laughs> the mad men people? Mad men what would Don no. Draper do? Even worse, the, the infomercial people. So when uh, when you see a ShamWow commercial, um, many times the local television station or the cable network is actually only getting paid by how many ShamWows are, uh, are actually, their ad rates are being paid based on how many ShamWows are actually purchased. <laughs> Now, you know, um, you know we, we had um, you know, Michael Mazaroff on just previously from the you know, CBPP, and you, do you look to them in terms of trying to get a sense of where, where this, might, this issue might come up next? Quite frankly, I, I believe um, Michael's arguments are, are better suited uh, in, in the court of law. They don't seem to have any practical purpose in terms of legislation. Um, there are don't seem to take into account the political vulnerability that legislators put themselves into when they um, are pa- trying to pass legislation that devastates small business. We've seen it in every state. We have beaten it back in every state. He he quoted that there are five states that have enacted it. There are only three, and we are very confident that um, we're able to hold this back from passing anywhere else. Because again, what the way we actually are, we beat this is that it's the affiliates that show up that that write letters to their legislators or the governor that show up at meetings that make phone calls that demonstrate their viability within the state. And so the, the sort of theoretical policy um, folks are interesting um, to, to look at in terms of trends or perhaps, you know, court cases. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the political will of the politicians and they don't seem to be able to, despite very great desire to solve their budget crisis and try and, you know, find somebody behind the other tree. <laughs> um, the, uh, politically, they put themselves in a very difficult position by wiping out small business. Okay, now uh, we're going to transition in a minute, but I, I'd like you to briefly explain this: uh, uh, another set of legislation that has the um, you call the Big Brother um, legislation, in such as in Colorado and Oklahoma. Could you just briefly give me give us an overview of that? Yes, yeah, so so I need to cover my backside here in just a moment. I am not a lawyer, nor do I play one on the radio. Um, you are a lawyer, so <laughs> you can correct me. <laughs> I have well, a, we actually I have, have a lawyer coming up next, yeah. so you're safe. <laughs> I have a real-world grassroots experience. I was in the room when these bills were being 
debated <laughs> in Colorado and Denver in the middle of winter, in the middle of the night, actually. <laughs> they, they don't seem to end their days until people have stopped talking in Denver. Just, just a tip. Um, but but what, that, what the Big Brother uh, sales tax do, says is that um, it requires out-of-state retailers to inform the state of all purchases made by all Colorado citizens, and then they in turn have to send audit notices back to those same citizens of Colorado based on what they've purchased. So this this is just blatantly, clearly a violation of uh, consumers' privacy. I mean, all of a sudden, every item that they've purchased online or from an out-of-state retailer is being sent to the government. And I'm not a paranoid government conspiracy theorist or anything, but, you know, it's not that it's not the consumer that bought a gardening book from Amazon that's the issue. It's the citizen in Colorado who bought something from AIDS drugs online that that information now is sent to the state. Or perhaps it's even, you know, a Colorado politician who has an alternative lifestyle that they like to keep private. Now, all of a sudden, you know, some of their um, clothing purchase <laughs> details are being sent to the government. It's, oh, it's I can't imagine that. Um, <laughs> any event, um, Rebecca, thank you very much. We have to take a break. And when we come back, um, we will have the, the, the person who played the lawyer on radio. And, um, and so just give us a minute. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. From domains to digital marketing, social media to blogging, you can reach this broad audience by using what you're listening to now. Reach the thousands of internet marketers that download and listen live to the premier on-air and on-demand podcast network, webmasterradio.fm, with the Internet Marketing Channel. Our ad campaigns are fully integrated with multiple avenues of exposure, from slick, effective 30-second commercials to detailed, informative 30-minute town hall meetings. Expose your products and services to listeners and podcasters of not just shows like Market Edge and Domain Masters, but anyone looking for ways to market their business with your product. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm to find out more. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. And uh, we, our next guest is Matt Schaefer. He's a partner at Brian and Isaacson, and he works out of the main office. And Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing lately in this space? Sure. It's great to be with you, Bennett. Uh, as you have 
heard from your guests already, this has been a very active uh, area of uh, state legislation and state laws lately, and uh, a particular uh, involvement of my firm and myself uh, uh, has been in challenging the Colorado uh, law that uh, Rebecca roughly described before the break. Um, the legislation in Colorado was a reaction of the Colorado General Assembly to opposition to their proposal for an Amazon bill there. Um, what they did in the legislative process was to abandon the legislation that would have um, been patterned after the New York Amazon law and instead uh, adopted something much worse, which was the Big Brother-type legislation that uh, Rebecca roughly described. And essentially what it requires is that out-of-state retailers that do not collect Colorado sales tax uh, have to comply with certain and reporting obligations. Um, their notice obligations to their customers include informing their customers with every purchase that they are required to, uh, that is the customer is required to remit uh, use tax to the state of Colorado, even though the tax was not collected by the retailer, uh, which is, of course, a true statement of Colorado law, uh, but it's an obligation that's imposed only on those out-of-state retailers that don't collect the tax. Um, and then the more onerous portions of the bill are... Um, some annual requirements, the, the um, initial uh, due date for which are coming up. Um, one of is which that where is they have a, to, the equivalent of sending a 1099 to everyone who's purchased from them. In effect, what you have to do is you have to let your customers who have purchased over $500 uh, know that uh, they have an obligation to report tax to the state of Colorado by sending them a letter. That letter also informs the customer that you're going to be turning their name purchase amount and address information over to the Department of Revenue. And then that requirement that retailers who don't collect Colorado tax have to turn over to the Department of Revenue a list of all of their customers who have asked to have goods shipped into Colorado, uh, whether they be Colorado residents or folks living outside the state who have sent, you know, for example, gifts to their family in Colorado their name purchase information, that is purchase amount information and address information, is turned over to the Colorado Department of Revenue um, for what use uh, we're not certain at this time. It would appear to be nope. so that they can pursue uh, the consumers for tax. Now, you're representing the Direct Marketing Association and challenging the Colorado law, correct? That's correct. Um, the, the DMA filed suit um, last June 30th challenging the law. Uh, we have sought a preliminary injunction to enjoin enforcement of the statute, uh, and that motion is now pending before the court, and we're expecting a ruling on that any time. Now, in, in North Carolina, Amazon has challenged, uh, it seems like, a similar type of requirement, you know, that they provide information on all um, purchases made by um, in North Carolina residents, and the, and the federal court there said that that violates the, the cons consumer's right of privacy. Um, do you right. see that that ruling as being helpful in, in Colorado? Well, it's a ruling that it is not at play as yet in our case. The, the Amazon challenge in North Carolina was a, sort of a specific administrative attempt against Amazon in particular by the North, Car North Carolina Department of Revenue to get that customer purchase information from Amazon. Amazon sued in Washington federal court, that is Washington State federal court, and um, successfully persuaded the judge there that that's a violation of consumers' rights to privacy. Now, we have a privacy um, claim in the Colorado case, but it's not yet before the court. Now, you know, everyone, this all started, um, the kind of the chain reaction came from New York. And you know, New York has been extensive litigation, and you know, two courts have upheld the New York statute. I mean, what's, what's your assessment of the, the New York um, 
decisions. And you know, do you see that going up to the Supreme Court? Well, you're, you're right. New York has the paradigm Amazon uh, affiliate nexus bill. Uh, that is the, the law used by other states um, as a pattern for their own bills. Uh, they were the pattern for the North Carolina and Rhode Island legislation. They're the pattern for the California bill that was introduced earlier in this legislative session. Um, New York, uh, Amazon challenged that law in New York on a constitutional grounds and was unsuccessful. And primarily the reason that they were unsuccessful, um, both in the trial court and at the appellate division, uh, was that the statute included a, 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 an opportunity for um, retailers such as Amazon to prove, to rebut the idea that their in-state affiliates were actually soliciting. Um, so in effect, it drew a distinction between mere advertising and active solicitation uh, so that mere advertising would not be um, enough to subject Amazon and other retailers to a tax collection obligation, whereas solicitation So the would. decision was really, I think, that if the law per se isn't necessarily unconstitutional, um, you, you know, Amazon will have to test the waters and see how it's applied, and then maybe it can be found unconstitutional. Is that, that a fair summary? Yeah. The, as, uh, the, the facial challenge, that is, is the law unconstitutional as to all retailers? Or, um, Amazon was unsuccessful in that count. The uh, appellate division remanded the case for the possibility of Amazon demonstrating that it's unconstitutional as applied to Amazon. Now, what about the other states? You know, we have Rhode Island and uh, there's Oklahoma that has a, a big brother um, statute, although not as severe, it seems, as Colorado. Um, has there been any challenge in, in, in either of those states? No challenge yet in uh, either of those states. No other challenges filed that I'm aware of other than the one uh, in Colorado, the one in New York, and the, and the more limited North Carolina challenge you mentioned. Uh, these, you know, the outcomes of these initial challenges uh, will dictate what happens in other states uh, because state legislators are looking at the um, success or failure of states in, in defending these laws in determining where to go. And since the New York uh, cases have so far upheld the law, uh, at least uh, to a, in response to a facial challenge, there has been considerable activity uh, on new Amazon uh, affiliate nexus legislation in multiple states, including, uh, as you've heard, California, Illinois in this session, New Mexico, Connecticut, and Mississippi are other states where bills have been introduced this session, in um, addition to those bills defeated last session. Okay, Mac, very quickly, and then we have to uh, switch back um, to another guest. Um, there are a number of states have indicated that they have the ability to more or less impose the Amazon tax just by reinterpreting their statutes. I think BNA Tax Blog was reporting there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 states um, that believe they have that authority. Uh, what's your assessment of that? Well, I mean, the theory would be that solicitation in a state is sufficient if it's, if it's actual solicitation on the ground in a state uh, would be sufficient to satisfy the standards of the United States Constitution for imposing a tax on Amazon. So what they would need to do, in effect, would be to demonstrate that there was, in fact, actual solicitation going on and not mere passive advertising. Um, that's not a crazy argument, but the question is, is it really uh, reasonable to expect or to understand that merely having a link on a website is, is a proxy for solicitation? Well, Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate having you, and we hope to have you again. Um, we're going to switch back. We have Michael Mazaroff back online. Michael, are you there? I'm here. 
Michael, so I'm assuming you agree with everything that's been said um, since you signed off. Well, unfortunately, I couldn't hear what uh, Matt had to say, but I did take issue with a, a lot of what uh, Ms. Madigan had to say. Um, I mean, I do, I do agree. I think it's unfortunate that uh, these Internet sellers have reacted to the enactment of this legislation by cutting off their affiliates, but I think that's just indicative of how dearly they hold this unfair competitive advantage that they have by not having to collect tax. And uh, I, I'm concerned about small business jobs, but I think it's very important to recognize that for the last uh, many decades, uh, the, the failure to achieve collection of this tax has put and continues to put day by day many other small businesses out of business. And, it's, and it takes away jobs from people who are in the community uh, and this is a tax that's due. This tax exists to protect small businesses from un- unfair uh, competitive advantage, and it's just very necessary for the states to do what they can with their existing legal authority to protect those small businesses. And um, it's unfortunate that other small businesses may be hurt to some extent in the process, but they should be directing their anger at the companies that are doing this to them after they've made all these investments to assist these companies do marketing in the states and not be angry at the states that are trying to protect the competitiveness of other local businesses. Now, now Michael, um, we only have a, a minute or so left. Um, you know, Rebecca mentioned the possibility of maybe this should be best addressed at the federal level. Um, you know, what is your belief on that? Well, I, I, she's, she cited me correctly. I do, I do agree that the ultimate solution to this should be federal legislation, but I also agree with her that their prospects without legislation are very slim given the political climate in the country right now. And I think in the absence of that federal legislation, states need to use the legal authority they have to enforce a tax that's on the books, that has always been on the books, and that's there for a very important reason, as I said, to protect the competitiveness of local small businesses as compared to out-of-state businesses that can sell into the state. And so they clearly have this authority. The courts in New York have upheld the law so far, and in the absence of federal legislation, they need to do what they can to, to protect their local small businesses, and that's exactly what they're doing. Well, um, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, this, there's a, this, we could talk about this for quite some time. Um, but I want to thank Michael, um, Rebecca, and Matt, all of them, for coming on board and um, you know, we had a number of questions from the chat room that you know, maybe, hopefully we maybe we can get get to offline afterwards. But uh, I appreciate um, everyone for joining us today. Um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center, and I hope you'll join us next week for Cyber Law and Business Report. And Brasco, thanks for everything. Um, our producer Brasco, and back to you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.